Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I invested in my first property when I was 19 years old um, and have been, you know, now, you know, coming up uh, to 29 years in investing in property. So it's a great passion of mine. I love it. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyron Sham. And in this episode, we're speaking to Sydney-based head of investment buyers agency, Frank Riety, whose 29 years investing in property lends him a unique expertise. We'll explore his journey from a financial background into the business of being a buyers agent and learn about the ins and outs of the property research he carries out. Starting his portfolio when he was just 19 years old, Riety has extensive experience in property investment which lead to where he currently works as a buyer's agent. So, what does a typical day look like for him? can range from anything from, you know, prospecting for new clients. So, you know, we have a lot of inbound um, leads come to us and inquiries. So, following up on those and, and just having a chat to people and seeing what their um, what their strategy is, why they want to get in, in um, why they're looking to invest in a property or buy, you know, an occupier. So, finding out a little bit about their story, having a casual chat, um, going on to managing current clients, um, you know, sourcing properties for them based on the criteria and their brief. Um, um, you know whether they be off-market properties, uh, pre-market or on, on market. So monitoring the the property market and and stock. Um, of what's out there. Um, obviously, that involves uh, talking to a lot of real estate agents and, you know, we have a lot of close relationships with real estate agents, so calling them in the relevant areas that we're looking to buy for our clients, um, going to inspections, uh, taking videos, photos, all the applicable information that we can pass on to our clients and, and explaining that to clients and whether we're recommending that property or not. Um, and obviously, then getting into a negotiation with, with real estate agents and trying to, um, you know, buy the best property for the best possible price for our clients. Riety grew up in Sydney and went to a public school in Homebush which shaped his early years. Grew up in, in Strathfield, in the Strathfield area for anyone who knows that area. Went to Homebush, there you go. Um, went, to, went to Homebush Boys uh, High School, so public school boy. Um, yeah, then went on to uh, obviously you know uh, do some study uh, post, post high school in, in, in basically focusing in, in accounting and finance. Riety looks back fondly on his upbringing in Sydney, particularly remembering the simpler times before a lot of today's technology. 
And I went to high school in what was it? I finished in ninety one, so I went there from like eighty six to ninety one. So I suppose in the in the in the glory years of the of the eighties, as they call them, um, you know, fun times. You know, no mobile phones and no Netflix and Foxtel and all these channels of choice. But you know, playing on the street with with my mates in the street, riding our bikes, no helmets, playing cricket on the street, touch football on the street. Um, you know, school school was great. Um, and yeah, it was only only happy memories to be honest with you. He went to TAFE after his glorious high school days doing an advanced diploma in accounting but studying part-time instead of full-time so he could get some work experience while he was studying. The HSC results came out and um, I wasn't aware of, you know, I suppose how to manipulate getting the best tertiary entrance rank as it was was back then. So I did well um, but, you know, because uh, I did all two unit subjects and I applied for uni, not really wanting to go to uni, to be honest with you, at that age. Um, but it was like, okay, well, I've got to do something. Um, I'm not going to be a, a builder or something like that. My dad was a bank manager, so I said, oh, there's plenty of jobs in accounting. Back in those days, the first three pages were all accounting jobs in the Sydney Morning Herald. Um, you know, I'll, I'll apply for uni. And the only prerequisite was a two-unit maths, of which I did really well in. But because I did all two-unit sub- subjects in all the rest, um, I got not a high enough rank to get in. So me and my mate trotted off down to Ultimo TAFE there, Sydney TAFE, and just uh, enrolled in an advanced diploma in accounting course. Um, and I made the decision, uh, and this was quite an important decision at the time, like the course was a two-year full-time course, but I made the decision to do it part-time over four years with the with the plan of coming out um, with, with the plan of then going and getting a full-time job, taking on, you know, just starting at the bottom, starting with any company that would take me in some sort of accounting role, um, starting as a junior, telling them that I've committed to study and coming out then four years later with not only the advanced diploma, but four years work experience, as opposed to doing it two years full-time and coming out with everyone else with no work experience. So that's, so that's, so that's what I did. Um, and that worked out well. I got a, a job with a, a large insurance company, Australian insurance company, and I ended up working with them for seven and a half years. Um, post that diploma, I then obviously, um, you know, got into university and um, basically had a year exemption because I had the um, advanced diploma in accounting. So I did my Bachelor of Commerce, majoring in accounting, and then went on and did my CPA. So I'm a certified practicing accountant for the last 20 years. Actually, they sent me a little recognition pin <laughs> this year. <laughs> Rarity credits his dad as a key influence for his early career in finance. Maybe it's in the blood. My dad was uh, worked for Westpac for, for circa 30 years. Um, and, and, you know, it's funny with accounting because the first people think, uh, the first thing people think is, oh, you're a tax accountant, can you do my tax? And I'm like, no, I, I, I hate tax. I have an accountant for myself who does my tax for me. Um, so it's quite interesting. There's also the, you know, the chartered accounting and the auditing side of things. And I remember I did, you know, going back to year 10, I did a week in a, in a chartered accounting firm. Um, and I didn't like that. I didn't like the audit side of things. So I went into the, you know, I suppose the commercial corporate side of accounting. Um, and that's where my career took me, uh, you know, later on, you know, through the years, I became a chief financial officer um, for, for various companies. Um, so look, I'm very analytically minded. I like numbers, you know, as a child, I used to play games, you know, with dice and things. And so I suppose I like numbers. Um, uh, so yeah, it was 
you know, it was always going to be an office job. Uh, like I said, there was always, you know, every company needs accountants. Um, and the other thing I liked about it is that the, you know, the skill is transferable. You know, I started off in, in insurance. You know, people say, why did you choose insurance? I said, I, I didn't choose it. It chose me. There was a job going. I applied. You know, I didn't. When you're a junior looking to get taken on, you don't have much choice. Um, but I loved it. I loved the people I work with. Um, and then from insurance, I, you know, broke out and went into, you know, various companies um, along the way. So, you know, like I said, every company needs um, accountants. And so I thought, well, I'm always going to be employed. He moved around and accomplished a lot during his career in finance particularly with insurance, IT, sports and hospitality companies. I never wanted to get into any particular field um, or industry, I suppose. Like I started, like I mentioned, in, in insurance. Um, and then I had a few small stints, you know, two or three years with certain companies. I worked for a, a small Australian uh, IT company um, that was listed on the on the ASX. I, I, I worked for a, a large American company, um, you know, where I reported into, you know, my bosses were in in the US um, and they were listed on the NASDAQ. Um, I, I worked then, I got into sport. Um, I ended up, uh, I was the financial controller for the West Tigers uh, NRL team from 2007 to 2012. Then I got into the hospitality industry um, and worked for the likes of Penrith RSL Club and, and the Blacktown Workers Club group. Um, so that's sort of the, the types of industries. I had a small stint with, uh, with Impulse Airlines actually, I, I recall when Impulse got taken over by Qantas uh, so was there sort of through that transition um, so it was quite interesting um, and you know I've, I've learned something from each and every one of those industries and, and companies I've worked for if you like um, so that's um, you know been great. Once again following a suggestion from his dad, Rioty began investing during the 1990s close to home. The story I tell people is, you know, I started working as, a, as I mentioned in insurance and, you know, that was probably, I started working there in 92 or 93 um, and, you know, I was literally on $17,000. Um, now, at at that time, you know, that was the going rate for a junior and it was more money than I'd ever earned before. Earning, you know, the only other job I'd had prior was, you know, working in Macca's uh, for a little bit of time there during school. Um, and, it, you know, so I was earning $17,000 and then just one day out of the blue, my dad just came to me and said, you know, so, so what are you doing with all this money you've, you're earning? And and I said, what do you mean all this money? I said, it's, it's I'm earning $17,000 per annum. <laughs> you know, I sort of laughed. I, and he said, uh, <laughs> he said, have you thought about uh, buying a property? And I said, well, not really. Uh, anyway, he just he just left it with me. He was very smart, my dad. You know, he just left it with me, just planted the seed. And I thought nothing of it. You know, on Saturdays, I go and play soccer. Um, and then about six weeks later, from memory, I came back to him and I, and I basically just said to him, so are we going to buy this property or, or what? And he said, oh, so do you, you want to buy one, do you? And I said, yeah, yeah. So I said, look, I'm, I'm not interested in going and, and doing inspections and looking at it. So I'd go out and play soccer on Saturdays and, and my mum and dad would go out and do inspections. And then, you know, basically one day they came to me. I still remember I was, you know, playing soccer and they're screaming out from the sideline, we found one, we found one. I'm like, all right, let's wait till half time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they. so I went to look at it. It was a little small two-bedroom unit in uh, Croydon Park. Um, so, you know, we, we lived in Strathfield, so they didn't venture too far. It was your typical, let's, we know this area, let's just look around the surrounding suburbs, um, something that, you know, I obviously could afford and, um, 
you know, and obviously my dad had done the sums being a bank manager. Um, you can you can borrow this much if you can get rental income of this much. This will help service the loan at whatever the current interest rates were back in 1993. Um, and we ended up buying this little two better for eighty three and a half thousand um, dollars. Sounds cheap <laughs> now <laughs> in Croydon Park. Yeah. So that's how it started. So my dad was, you know, I still credit him to, to planting that seed. Um, and, and, you know, I took it from there, if you like. His parents also dabbled with investing. I can't remember if it was before or after I purchased mine that they also purchased an investment property themselves. Um, but, you know, like most people, they didn't go any further than, than one investment property. And for whatever reason, I, I can't even recall now, they ended up selling that. Um so yeah, I was the one who then um, built on that and you know went from one to two to three to, to the multiple I have today. Rarity talks about his portfolio but also reflects on investing mistakes and challenges in the past. My current wife and I, um, we have nine properties. So that's uh, eight investments and obviously one principal place of residence. Um, probably my worst investing moment was was not property related, property investing related. It was more share related investment. Um, I, I did dabble in shares there for a while. And I think before I even invested in property, I had some shares. So as I mentioned, my dad worked for Westpac. So I think I, from memory, I had about three grand, um, probably the first three grand I earned. He said, have you saved three grand yet? Buy some Westpac shares, <laughs> right? He goes, so I remember I had um, some Westpac shares early on and um, he basically just said, just hold them, don't sell them. When the, um, you know, tick the box for the dividend reinvestment plan. So don't take the money, let them reinvest and, and you'll keep, you know, through uh, compounding compounding growth, uh, you know, they'll, they'll buy more shares for you. So I held Westpac shares for, for a long time. Um, but then post that, I ended up getting into, uh, and this was circa the dot-com boom, so I got caught up in that hype. Um, you know, great lesson, don't don't try and get rich quick. Um, you know, found out the, about this beautiful thing called margin lending, you know, margin lending, and the bank will lend you money and you can leverage up and, you know, multiply your your, um, your gains. And that's all well and good while the stock market's going up until something like the dot-com boom hit. And I still remember I, got a, I was on a harbour cruise for work and I got a phone call saying, oh, you know, your LVR is a bit down. We need twenty odd thousand dollars in two days' time, and I'm like on a harbor cruise, and I'm like, okay. I'm first. I'm like, oh shit, okay. Um, <laughs> racking my brain where I'm going to find this twenty grand, um, and you know, and obviously not wanting to sell any shares, which were obviously down at the time. Um, now, thankfully, I, you know being smart, I suppose, not, I didn't leverage myself too much. And I knew that, you know, these margin calls were a possibility. And so I, I obviously had some savings set aside. So I was able to make the margin call from memory without selling any, any, um, any shares. But yeah, that was a, a great lesson in volatility, I suppose, as to how volatile that um, the share market can get. And having been invested in property at that same time, showed me just how resilient the property market is and you know one thing that i've learned over the, the, the past 29 years of investing and you, you know if we call uh an investing you know a, a property cycle every 10 years you know no, this is like my third one now my third cycle if you like um i've just seen how resilient um the property market is whether it is a dot-com boom whether it's um you know a gfc whether it's threatened changes you know via an election of you know capital gains tax rules or 
any old or negative gearing rules, they always like to throw that one up. Um, that, you know, interest rate rises or decreases, you know, the, the, the market just keeps on keeping on, as I say. And as long as you have the patience and um, to, to hold long term, um, you know, I can only recommend property investing that you will do well. It's, it's, it's worked for me. As long as you're buying, you know, quality properties in quality locations, I might add. Variety also shares with us how he managed the complications of the property market during the pandemic. You know, I, I, how could I forget about the pandemic? Um, like nobody ever saw that coming. And, you know, then there was, you know, the property market's going to drop 20 to 30%. What happened? It did the opposite. So again, resilient. So, you know, post-pandemic, there will be something else. I mean, that's that's not a property-related thing. That's life. Um, you know, one thing I know, you know, is life throws us curveballs and you and you have to manage those, but there will be something else. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm sure the property market will be resilient to that as well. Expanding on the resilience of the property market, Riety gives us some important assurances that are critical to know when investing in property. It's the beauty of it. As long as you make, you keep making your repayments, um, the, the bank isn't going to come knocking and saying, "Hey, you know, we, you know, that LVR at eighty percent that we lend you, we lent you, you know, your property values dropped, so your LVR is actually hovering above ninety percent now. That's uncomfortable for us because, unlike the share market that gets valued, you know, every second that the share market is open, um, the property, um, the, you, you know, your property that you own or are invested in it doesn't. Um, I know, like. You know, when things are good, people like to say, oh, you know, it gets down to nearly, you know, I love reading these articles when they're saying, you know, how much money people are making overnight in their sleep, you know, and, and I joke about that, you know, say to the guys at work, I made another 10 grand last night just for going, from going to sleep, um, you know, when things are great. But, you know, property doesn't get valued like that, you know, it's it's probably should be valued on an annual basis only. And hence, you're, you're exactly right that, you know, you keep making your monthly repayments on your loan, the, the bank is going to not worry about what value your property is or what your loan to value ratio is. When dealing with property on the other hand, Variety has seen nothing but success due to its experience as a landlord. Look, I must say I have been pretty lucky um, in that regards. There's nothing that comes to mind where I've had, you know, a disaster as such. You know, you get some you know some repairs and maintenance issues you know the with all this rain especially you know ah there's a there's the tenants have reported a leak you know other than that you know what is it a, a you know a new hot water system a new a new dishwasher <laughs> things like that um you know tenants wise i've always been of the mindset um about looking after tenants you know my number one thing is if i look after the tenants they'll look after my property um whenever tenants do report any issues you know I'm, i've told the property you know my property managers up front um get this get it fixed um they keep me up to date of course you know we've had to send out a plumber we've had to send out an electrician but i don't want my tenants to be inconvenienced whatsoever um like i said it's their home um in regards to their living there i want to look after them um i've never been um too greedy or, or bullish on on rents um you know if anything you know five bucks ten bucks or you know finding you know keeping knowing what the market rent is and sort of not being at the top end of that um so you know because you know i don't want to be in a situation where i'm upping the rent by so much and forcing people out and then i'm without rent for one or two weeks to chase an extra 10 or 20 dollars it doesn't make mathematical sense to do that throughout his journey variety has learned so much about investing in property but it's when he realized his great returns on his investments he knew this was the right path for him 
you know, when I think back, buying that first property, um, at, you know, 83500 and I actually sold it 10 years later. Um, and the only reason I sold it is because um, at the time I was about to get married. So, you know, I was looking for a deposit to, in, um, you know, buy a principal place of residence. Um, and the thought there of using equity, it was sort of like, you know, I can't recall, to be honest, whether that notion was around or why the bank didn't tell me that, et cetera, or, my, or, my, or why my dad didn't. It was sort of like, if you want to, yes, you've, you've got some capital growth there, we sell it, we take that money and we, you know, we use that for the deposit. Um, because if I knew then what I knew now, I probably wouldn't have sold, um, to be honest with you. Um, because, you know, although I have the nine properties now, I've probably, you know, bought and sold for various reasons over, over the years as I was educating myself, I suppose. Um, so yeah, that first property in Croydon Park, bought it for 83,500, 10 years later, sold it for 180. Now, I remember at the time the agent telling me, wow, 180 is, is top dollar, similar ones to this are only selling for 170. Um, and during that 10 years, I'd purchased the second one. Uh, it was actually a studio apartment. Um, I remember I, I saw it in the Sydney Morning Herald one Saturday morning, uh, studio apartment in Ashfield. Um, and I bought that for about 110 and and sold that one pretty much sold them both to fund this principal place of residence um, and sold that one for about 170, 180 as well. So I suppose, you know, looking at that, I'm going, wow, this Croydon Park property, I've just made a hundred grand in 10 years for basically doing nothing. You know, I didn't have to work for it. And that was that, I suppose, aha moment where I'm going, I've just made a hundred grand here. You know, I started 10 years ago, I was earning $17,000. Who knows what I was earning 10 years later, probably 35 grand, I don't know. Um, and I've just made a hundred grand for basically, you know, not doing anything, just buying the thing, paying the interest, collecting the rent, attending to the, a few repairs and maintenance. And you know, a hundred grand was a lot of money back then. It was more money than I than I'd ever seen. So that was that moment that, you know, really got me then going. Wow, this property investing does really work. Beginning his property investments back in 1993, Riety emphasizes the importance of having an investment-based mindset when considering your assets, even your principal place of residence. If I look at my my portfolio of you know investments that I'm holding now, um, the the earliest one goes back to 2007. Like I said, I started in '93, you know, built up some equity in those two, you know, sold those to buy a principal place of residence and then you know and and obviously you know buying the principal place of residence is a, is a lifestyle thing it's a life choice it's i still look at those as as investments i know a lot of people say your principal place of residence is not an investment to me it is because it's uh you know it's the capital gains tax free investments as well um, and, and if you buy, a, like I said, a quality property in a quality location, obviously, depending on where you want to live, um, they, you know, they will perform well as well. So, but in my current portfolio, the, I have a, a unit actually, funnily enough, in Gladesville, um, bought that back in 2007 before I even thought about living in Gladesville myself. Um, and that one has, you know, well and truly, um, you know, doubled. Um, if I look at it now, I've had that for 15 years actually and you know that's increased 128 percent um and you know with a uh, you know an actual you know average annual growth rate of, of 8.6 percent um i've got a little spreadsheet here by the way i don't know all these numbers off the top of my head <laughs> from 2011 Riety went on to add an additional eight properties to his portfolio in six years even acquiring three properties in four months 
during 2015. The reason for that is um, I, you know, I talk about life throwing you curveballs and gets gets in the way. I actually ended up getting divorced in 2009, um, and then remarried um, in 2012. Um, so. In 2012, um, you know, um, sorry, I got married in 2013. <laughs> Met my wife in 2000, current wife in 2012, got married in 2013. So a couple of years into our marriage, you know, I started educating my wife on on investment property. She, she, you know, notably did already own a property herself. So we pulled our money together. We were both working in the corporate world, earning good dollars, um, had, you know, a bit of money there in equity to um, to invest. So we went hard in 2015 and purchased, like I said, three three and four months. Um, and then another in 2016, another in 2017, and well, actually two in 2017 because we ended up purchasing this our principal place of residence in 2017 as well. Well, our second one because we moved from a previous one. 2015 was a big year for Variety as it also marked his first foray into interstate property investment. Yeah, it started in New South Wales in, in obviously the Sydney metro area. Um, and then it was probably around that 2015. So, three of those uh sorry, two of those three purchases in 2015 were in actually in Queensland, um, two houses in, in Brisbane. Uh, now, funny enough, around that time, you know, mid-2015, people were saying, you know, Brisbane's overdue, it's the it's the place to invest, the boom is about to happen in there. And, you know, obviously, we know it didn't, it's happening now, um, of which I was fine with because I was like, you know, I have this philosophy of I'd rather get in too early than too late. Um, to, to pick up that upswing. Um, now, in saying that, in, in those, you know, I've had those, like I said, in 2015, um, so I've held them for, you know, between six and seven years now. In that time, they they were growing at maybe three, four, five percent. Um, you know, if I look at them now, the average annual growth rate, you know, is, you know, for one of them's at nine percent, the other one's at 8.3. So they've really taken off, you know, in this last uh, couple of years and hopefully still a couple more years to go or maybe a decade to go in Brisbane as they play catch up to the rest. Um, and I made the decision to invest in Brisbane um, with the help of a buyer's agent, of course, um, basically for a bit of diversification too. Um, it wasn't about just, uh, you know, the media saying Brisbane's about to boom. It was about, okay, well, I've got enough in Sydney now uh, and Sydney was becoming more and more expensive as it does. Um, let's, you know, let's go in and diversify into um, into Brisbane. So I got two houses in Brisbane and also then went into Melbourne in um, 2017 and bought a house in Melbourne. So all in all, um, you know, I've got, uh, what have I got here? Five houses and four units. Um, uh, two houses in Brisbane, one house in Melbourne and the rest, um, all the units are in Sydney and a couple of houses in Sydney as well. Variety shares some examples of what it means to invest in high value assets in the right areas can do for you. It's valued, you know, circa 14 million at the moment um, across those um, and that's across the, the nine properties including my principal place of residence. Um, if I split that out, you know, the, the eight investments are probably worth around 11 and uh, my principal place of residence is, is gone up to be worth around three. Um, and yeah, look, obviously they're bringing in rental income, you know, rental income is probably just under 300k um, per annum. Obviously that's gross before, you know, interest repayments and, and associated fees with holding the properties. Um, and that's, uh, you know, has given me, you know, that was 
you know, one of the reasons why I was able to leave the corporate world. Um, you know, actually, you know, when I left uh, the, the Blacktown Workers Club group, I, I had been promoted to, from CFO to CEO. Um, so it was a big decision, you know, to to walk away from that. Um, I think it was time for me. I, I'd had enough um, and I needed a break and needed a change. So, um, like I said, the opportunity to follow my passion, but if it wasn't for you know, the investment properties and having been invested for such, for such a long period of time um, probably wouldn't have, uh, you know, I would have been probably too risk averse that, you know, I've got to earn, keep earning uh, to, to do that. So it's definitely helped me in that respect. And, and you know, it's, you know, like I said, my wife and I are of a very similar age. We're in our late 40s. Um, you know, it's the, this, the big decision now of, well, you know, the decision is ours as to when we want to pack it all in and retire and go traveling for most of the year and things like that. Um, but, you know, that's probably, you know, when we hit 50 in a couple of years, you know, another one of those lifestyle uh, lifestyle um, moments, I suppose, that we'll sit down and go, well, when do we want to pull the plug on all of it? Rioty endorses a pragmatic approach to property investment, suggesting not to limit yourself to only buying houses. And I love units, to be honest with you. And I, th- I think it came down to affordability. Um, and it's it's all well, you know, and I, I listen to a lot of things and read a lot of things property related. And, you know, I always hear, you know, and, and it's funny now with the advent of social media and Facebook, you know, you get stuck into these forums and just watch what people are writing. And, you know, somebody will throw up a question, should I buy a house or a unit? And then all these people start commenting, don't touch units, buy a house, buy land. But that's all well and good for someone to say, don't buy units. But if you can't afford a house and you've only got a set budget, as most people do, especially when they're starting out, sometimes the best thing they can buy is only a unit. Um, And then there's the whole debate, well, buy a house in a regional area or interstate that might be the same price as a unit in Sydney, for example. Um, You know, but, uh, you know, now that with all the data available, you know, I can show you where a, a unit in the eastern suburbs or the inner west or the northern beaches of Sydney has for the last 10, 15, 20 years outperformed a house in another state, for example, close to the city or in western Sydney or northwestern Sydney or, or central coast or, or, or something like that. Um, so it's quite interesting. You know, units do grow in value. Um, they still have good, uh, you know, rental yields on them. They're, they're easy to rent. Yes, people go, oh, what about the strata? I say, well, yes, there is strata fees, but on a house you have repairs maintenance um and and if anything you know the repairs or maintenance on there is repairs and maintenance on the land i I own both i know you know ah this tree has over is starting to overgrow and shadow the the bedroom of the house you need to get someone in to cut those trees back um you know many things you know i had a tree fall on the back shed in one of the houses in brisbane in a storm and um for whatever reason, the insurance didn't cover it. Luckily, it wasn't too much. I, the, the shed itself didn't get damaged. Um, they just have to just have to pay for the tree to be removed, <laughs> and things like that. Um, so you know, and and you know, I've got units where I literally haven't had to change a washer in a tap for five years. So and then others where, well, yeah, the dishwasher's gone, the um, the, the hot water system needs replacing, and things like that. Variety has seen firsthand how maintenance issues can arise seemingly out of nowhere. Comes up out of the blue, yeah. But then when you add it all up at the end, you go, "Well, that that equates well." If I was to divide that by four, that's a three grand per quarter. You know, not three grand, but two grand per quarter strata bill, basically. Uh, you know, and the landlord's insurance that comes with you know a house as well. Whereas you know with uh, 
obviously you still have landlord's insurance for your units, but the building is insured by the body corporate, by the, by the strata. Um, it's only, you know, you're inside your tenancy that um, requires you to take out um, landlord's insurance. So yeah, it does, it does add up the repairs and maintenance. Um, but, you know, whether it's a unit or a house, those things, are, you know, like I said, it, when it rains, it pours, so to speak. <laughs> no, pun in, no pun intended. <laughs> he shows us that you don't need to spend big money adding value to your property if you keep sustained rental income and make pragmatic choices between tenants. They're rented and they're rented well and, and they've always been rented. So, uh, you know, I have done, I remember in one of the houses in Brisbane um, that, you know, the tenants gave notice so they were moving out. So, you know, myself and, and the property manager said, look, um, you know, you've got, a, you've got a wall here with that, you know, I could get someone in within a week, two weeks, um, you know, while we've got it on the market to lease, really open up, you know, create that open floor plan between the kitchen and dining. Um, so, I rec- you know, I, I record doing that, um, you know, little things like, you know, adding an air con, a spit system here or there. Um, I've done, um, but nothing, nothing too structural, to be honest with you. Um, you know, my, my units still have the original bathrooms that they have. Actually, the one thing I did do, the Gladesville unit, when I bought it back in 2007, I bought it knowing that the kitchen would have to be ripped out immediately, uh, which I did just to make it um, easier to, to lease. Um, and I did that, and that kitchen is still going strong and, and still looking you know, I wouldn't say it's as modern as ever. It doesn't have, you know, what everyone has now, the stone bench tops and things like that. Well, I don't know how many rental properties have that, but it's got a nice laminate bench top, white cupboards, you know, stainless steel or brushed aluminium, slimline handles. It, it looks good. It's always getting leased out. Maybe down the track when I make the decision to, you know, consolidate and, and sell and pay off some debt, um, possibly, um, you know, the houses in Brisbane in particular are sitting on good sized blocks of land um, that you could possibly even bulldoze the house um, and, um, you know, and build something brand new or whether I just sell it as is and let someone else, you know, pick up that upside. Um, it's the choice is there, I suppose. Taking us through why he has his property portfolio, Riety presents to us the freedoms it has allowed him. Early retirement, you know, I remember, still remember my dad saying at 19, you know, when we bought the first one, um, you'll thank me when, you, when you're 40. <laughs> now I was 19, I'm like, 40? <laughs> that's, a, that's a lifetime away. And here I am nearly 50. <laughs> Um, and I, uh, you know, I still remember it like it was yesterday. It's funny, my memory's still there, so that's that's a good thing. Um, and you know, he was right, and I, I thank him every day for it. You know, um, so yeah, look, and that was always the goal that to have the choice when I got to this age, some sometime between late forties and fifties, um, to make the choice, you know, on my terms as to when. Um, you know, to, to retire and, and to travel, basically. Um, and just having the, the you know, the, the lifestyle you want and the freedom to do what you want. You know, who knows? I may keep, you know, working. I, I may not. You know, as long, I'm all about as long as I'm happy and enjoying life, then I'll keep doing, keep doing what we're doing. But I, I suppose it is about that choice. Um, it was also about not relying on superannuation. Um, you know, and especially very early on when you're not, when you're only earning $17,000, uh, you know, you're not getting much super there. And I always never worried about super. I was like, if I ever get any super when I hit 65 or whatever the, the year was, well, that'll just be a, a bonus. Um, and, you know, obviously over your career and as your salary increases and you, and you, you know, you, you 
over in executive roles, he likes saying, oh, there's a bit of super there now. That, that'll come in handy one day. But, you know, that's still, what is it, 60, 65 before you can even touch that. Um, so, you know, that'll be a bonus when it comes. So I wanted to be self-funded. I didn't want to rely on the system, whether it be the pension or super. I wanted to have unencumbered rental income um, coming in to um, to support my my lifestyle and my retirement, if you like. I've been quite lucky. And, and this is the thing, the investment property or, you know, investing in property hasn't restricted me in any way in regards to, you know, traveling and things like that. Um, I always say that although for a long part of, the, you know, especially the early years, the, the, the properties were negatively geared, you know, in other words, I, I was making a loss on them. Um, you know, rent was always coming in, um, but it didn't, you know, restrict me at any, you know, in any way. You know, I suppose uh, luckily I was employed, you know, in for good companies with, with good jobs and, you know, um, earning average to good salaries towards the end, it became very good. Um, but they didn't, they didn't restrict me at all. You know, property managers manage the properties. Yes, you get an email, etc. And, you know, today it's great. You know, you, you can make a phone call from overseas. You can respond to an email. But it's not something I've had to keep an eye on and manage every day. Um, so from that, you know, ease of investment, it's it's worked out really well. Um, but yeah, you know, look, you know, I suppose the, the, the plan is, I say to my wife, you know, in a year, we'll travel for three months, come home for three months, see friends and family or whatever, plan the next trip, travel again for three months and come back, whether that plans out like that or not. But even just the ability to, um, you know, to go away somewhere for, for a couple of weeks is nice. You know, actually, we, we got away for the first time just this week, uh, last week, went up to Noosa. Um, and it was funny, you know, as a buyer's agent, it was like I was you know, negotiating with a real estate agent and we exchanged on a property, you know, in my board shorts on the, on the beach in Noosa, literally. <laughs> I said to the agent, I said, you realise, he, he said, are you still in Noosa? I said, yeah, I'm on the beach as we speak. <laughs> Explaining the importance of motivation when pursuing building a property portfolio, Variety emphasises always thinking about the reasons you're investing. We're talking to clients all the time at Henderson, you know, we're asking them what their strategy is. And, you know, um, I, uh, my wife and I, we don't have kids, but others obviously do. And they're looking, you know, and you hear stories about how hard it is, you know, for future generations, current generations to, to going to be to be able to afford property. So a lot of people are buying properties or investing in property with the aim of holding them long term and obviously passing them on down to their kids um, and, and, you know, giving them the head start that they need um, now as my wife keeps telling me we don't have any kids so she goes we're not leaving them to anyone we're going to spend them we're going to sp spend them I said well we don't want to spend them too quick <laughs> you know we don't know how long we're going to go on for but hopefully a long time now back in the early 90s there, there wasn't much there wasn't much you know buyers agents I don't even know if buyers agents in, in Australia were around in, in the early 90s um, and, then, and you know the, the internet was only <laughs> starting starting to kick off people didn't know if that was a real thing or not um, and so there wasn't much freely available information and you know a lot of what I have learned you know especially in those 90s was was through trial and error like I said you know selling when I probably didn't need to sell and, and you know they're, they're all things they're all life lessons that you learn along the way. Variety credits his mentor and investment idol with his unorthodox approach to property investment. 
Look, in regards to, a, a, you know, a mentor or resource, if you like, you know, I did come across, uh, you know, in 2015, Chris Gray, um, who's, who's a prominent buyer's agent in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. Um, he he is he has a different way of thinking. He was very similar to myself. He was an accountant. You know, he tells the story. I remember watching a YouTube video. Um, it just sort of mesmerised me. He was an accountant working for Deloitte, you know, um, you know, tells the story of how, you know, people were earning 100, 200 grand to his colleagues, but they were blowing it and not investing any of it. So, you know, it comes back to the story. It's not about how much you earn. It's about how much of that you retain and, and can invest. Um, and, you know, he's, a, he's, you know, he calls himself a contrarian, which is, you know, he does the opposite to everybody. So, you know, he tells his story. He bought half his portfolio in the GFC while everyone was selling. Um, he, were, he was snapping up properties um, very smart. So, yeah. And, and, you know, I actually, you know, sat down with Chris, uh, got in contact with him in 2015. 15, my wife and I, I said to my wife, we're going to go and meet Chris Gray. You know, that's that guy I keep watching on TV and watching his stuff. So we went and met him and, and you know, we engaged him as a buyer's agent um, to, to buy us an apartment in the eastern suburbs. So even though we live in Sydney ourselves, you know, Chris ended up buying one for us in um, in Coogee, um, which I obviously still hold today. So that was one of those um, three in 2015. Um, you know, he ended up getting that off market for us, um, which was great. So that opened my eyes to, you know, the likes of off market properties uh, and you know there are you know a lot of properties that the general public just don't see um, because they do trade off market. Obviously, in the last year of being a buyer's agent myself, I've really seen how prevalent that is. Um, and, you know, for whatever reason, um, some vendors just like to do that. Um, so, yeah, look, and, and so, you know, then I, you know, having already watched Chris and talking to him and then, you know, him engaging him as a buyer's agent uh, and, you know, still uh, friends with, with Chris t- um, today um, and you know anytime Chris you know he's, he he has a book that I think he's only he tells the story he's you know where he used to use examples in the book of you know a property you, you buy a property for 500,000 he's had to up it to change to a million dollars now just for to make the examples relevant but otherwise his book um, that he gives away for free mind you uh, is still relevant and is you know just some great insights there and and you know it talks, it talks about logic. You know, I love his story about how he went to get a loan because he wanted to buy his own place. And I think this was back when he was living in the UK. Um, he wanted to buy his own case, uh, a place by, to live by himself and the bank wouldn't lend him the money. So he said, how about I buy a three-bedroom house and I rent out two of those bedrooms to my mates. So they're bringing in some income. And the bank said, yeah, we're fine with that because you've got income coming in. So he was able, he couldn't buy one better, but he could buy a three because he'd rent out the other two bedrooms, bringing in income. And he was basically then living for free. And, um, you know, just, you know, great, great thinking and, and that contrarian thinking. Sharing with us his mantra, Rarity talks about the best advice he'd ever received. It's actually again come from my dad, and and it's and it's a quote that actually is relevant to a hell of a lot of things in life, and and it's uh, you know never put off till tomorrow um, what you can do today. Um, it's relevant in in life. It's res- relevant in your jobs, in your career, and it's definitely relevant in property. Um, you know, a lot of people do put off um, buying property or investing in property um, till tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes and they put it off again and again. Um, Now, the reason why that is, whether they're just not decisive, not sure, lack of education, lack of information, I'm not sure. Um, But definitely, you know, never put off till tomorrow what you can do today. And, you know, there's plenty of stories where, you know, back in my corporate world where I'd be, you know, it'll be late at night and, you know, I just want to go home, but I know I've got to finish this thing. And, you know, the question comes across your mind, I'll just do that tomorrow. But then 
I remember that quote and I go, no, I'll do it now. And then more often than not, tomorrow would come and something would happen and I'd go, you know what, I'm glad I finished that last night and not today because I wouldn't have been able to get to it today. So like I said, it works in your career, works in life, that saying, and, and definitely works in property investing to, um, as well. You know, don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. Looking forward to the future? Rarity is excited for what comes next in his personal property journey. I think um, in, in the next five years is just, you know, continuing at least for the next two to three years. As I said, at 50, I'll, I'll sit down with my wife and go, you know, we've hit the big milestone now. What do we want to do? But just continuing to grow and learn um, in my in my buyer's agency career. Um, in regards to property investing, you know, I've got the capacity. We've got the capacity there to purchase again. Um, it's just a matter of do I really or do you know do we really need to? Um, like I said, the portfolio is sitting at fourteen million now. You know that the LVR is is down at forty five percent. We've got no children to leave it to. So how much do we really need in retirement? Um, you know, I think I'll just let what what the the eight investments and plus the house we live in just keep doing what they're doing and growing um, as you know and doing what they do over the next three to five years and 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 see that out and you know possibly get to a stage where then we'll sell you know as as little property as possible you know maybe sell one or two that'll pay off the debt on all of them um and then we've just got unencumbered rental income coming in um so really just consolidating the portfolio i think is is front of mind i'm always on the lookout though as um, <laughs> it's part of my job now it's daily routine that you know when it, when a good deal comes up um you know, and, and I love looking at property and buying property. So, so who knows, maybe there might be another purchase there, another unit or something in the East. <laughs> who knows? Frank, you've achieved so much success. You know, you've been able to share your amazing story about your property investment journey. How much of this success is being due to your skill, intelligence and hard work and how much of it is due to luck? You've got to create your own luck. You've got, you've got to put yourself in the best position possible to then be able to reap the rewards of whatever luck life throws you um you know it's it's quite easy for people to say you know are oh, you invested in property you got lucky because sydney boomed or you know brisbane's now booming well had i not invested had i not you know had the intelligence um uh, to want to invest and understood what it could do for me um i'll you know then I, the property market could have boomed a thousand percent and had i not been invested in it i would there would have been no luck come my way so you know you've got to make the decision um to reap the rewards of luck so you know i would say a combination of, of both you know i was smart enough to invest in property at a very young age um you know i was able to do that because i made the decision to live at home not buy a car um you know save save hard um, you know, you know, people might ask, how did, you know, I can't even remember if I had a deposit back when I was 19. Um, one thing that, you know, I was lucky enough to have um, supportive parents who, you know, like I said, planted the seed, but not only that, um, gave me a second mortgage. They put up a second mortgage on their house to be able to afford so that I could get a loan. So, you know, you could say that that is luck um, there. Um, and But that's how I got the start my parents you know went guarantor put up a second mortgage i didn't really understand what it meant at the time <laughs> like i said my dad worked in the bank he said i can i can give, put a second mortgage on our house and we, we we can do it i said okay whatever you whatever you say um so look i think it's a bit about you know and it's it's, it's all about being patient as well i think the reason why people don't get up to 
you know, four, five, six properties. You know, you look at the stats from the ATO and, you know, very few, I think there's 20,000, maybe 25,000 or less that have, you know, six or more properties. Um, most people have one. You know, after three, four, five years, it hasn't performed well, you know, and they get impatient and they sell it. Um, so they never get to that second property. Now, you know, the first, second, third, fourth is the hardest. But once you've got four, three or four, and they're, you're going through a nice growth phase and they're all growing together, or well, suddenly that's, you know, what I call the snowball and you've got a lot of equity there to be able to then be able to go and purchase, you know, three, you know, three properties in four months. You know, you've got to have the income to support it. You've got to be able to service it. Equity is obviously one thing and servicing is the other, you know. So, you know, I suppose I was lucky that, you know, the woman I met and married um, was, a, was a very successful and, and corporate uh, person. She's in HR in, in her own right. Um, I was lucky she already had a property herself. Um, so, look, there, there's obviously a bit of luck that comes in life. But like I said, you, you've got to make your own luck as well and you've got to put yourself in, in the best position property. Um, uh, that you can. Thank you to Frank Riety, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.